Welcome to State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types. My name is Tom Stadler. I am one half of the hosting team here on State of the Franchise, here with my fellow composer this week, Fred Dakin. Fred, how are you? I'm feeling the rhythm. I'm feeling the rhyme. Look out, it's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing cool runnings this week, but I've been uh, I've been good. Maybe I'll, I should save that. Maybe we should just save that for the Let's save that. We got cool like runnings episode. '90s Disney yeah. Channel movies. Did, that came out in theaters though, right? I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> I mean, I like to imagine it did, but I feel like I only watch it at home. So in my mind, it's always just been on the Disney Channel. <laughs> but we got we got a pretty rhythm-filled episode this week, Fred. And while we tried to get Lydia Tarr this week to talk about <laughs> <laughs> music, we uh, we could not get her, so we did, we did not get any sort of high-name composer of that. But we are talking about a very famous composer, uh, one Mr. Koji Kondo, who uh, many might know as the video game composer for such games as Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda. Very, very like, deep-cut library titles. <laughs> But uh, we do have uh, a special guest this week, a local musician here in Milwaukee, Mr. Nick Spitza. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on. Yeah. How are you feeling? Feeling real good. Good. Been doing a lot of research here, a lot of, a lot of video game music in the last couple of days. I know. I was going to say, we, we went through a little bit of uh, a whirlwind to find our way to this topic this week, but I think we're all pretty excited about how we're feeling. Yeah, I also feel this is like a new phenomenon, the uh, idea of like people getting into video game music. I know people have always kind of quietly said, like, oh, that track from this is slaps, but now I feel, especially thing I always hear about is the God of War guy. Oh, yeah. Like, that name keeps coming up, and I'm hearing it as much as I'm hearing composers being talked about. And now I see so many playlists, like, on Spotify, where people are just listening to, like, 8-bit, 16-bit music. So I, I think we're in, like, a renaissance of appreciation of video game music. Yeah, most definitely. I felt like, yeah, it's been very recent that I started to jump into a lot of video game playlists just on every day. Like, I'll get, like, the lo-fi or I'll get even, like, the orchestrated versions of these. And certainly we get a lot with Koji Kondo. I don't know, Nick, do you listen to a lot of video game playlists on your own? I do, yeah. Um, and actually, when I was going down the rabbit hole on some of this stuff, I did see God of War music came up, too. I played the first God of War, but I haven't played the second one. Oh, you got to get on that Ragnarok, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it now. And I also, I even think the score is, I didn't really re- like recognize the score the first time I played through the first game, but I'm really like listening for it this time, and it's pretty phenomenal. It's kind of funny you bring up Barry McCreary, though, because he was also the composer on another episode we did, Fred, on Battlestar Galactica. He was the composer on that. Oh, nice. And... For another tie into an episode, he was also the composer on Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the Amazon series. So he's making his way around. So if you've played video games or you watch TV or you're watching whatever, like you're probably going to start hearing a lot of these very famous video game composers. But as we are talking about Koji Kondo this week, I guess the where I'm curious, though, and I guess it's hard to even start talking about where you experienced him for the first time because... Where you experienced him for the first time is probably when you played these games for the first time. So, Nick, being our guest, I guess, when was the first time you played Super Mario Brothers or Legend of Zelda? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. I remember having, we had an NES when I was, I was probably before five years old. 
Mm-hmm. I, my mom told me that when she would put us down for naps, she would play uh, Super Mario while we were napping. Oh, come on. <laughs> so we've always had an NES, we always had an NES in the house. Yeah. Uh, my earliest memories, I, I still remember like sitting on the couch, like being like five years old and playing Donkey Kong 3. Oh, wow. Which wasn't actually a Koji song, I, I found out. Um, now, when you're talking about Donkey Kong 3, you mean like Donkey Kong Country 3? Or are you talking about Donkey Kong like... Like NES, like the OG Donkey Kong. Oh, thing. wow. Yeah. What is the third Donkey Kong about? I think... I don't, I always thought it was the more, the more popular one. Okay. It was a little more like, I guess, sophisticated than like the earliest Donkey Kong with like the barrels. That's the one where he tells Cranky Kong that if he says any words to him, he's going to cut off his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> And then Crank Kong keeps talking to him, and he keeps cutting off his little little grill fingers. <laughs> Fred, I think you have that confused with uh, the Oscar nominee this year, Banshees of an Issue. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. But I will say, I'm excited to talk about the person we're talking about today, but I was kind of bummed when I went through his tracks that he didn't have any Donkey Kong credentials, because... Right. Those are some bops right there, I right. will say. David Wise is, is that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He, and he did some really cool stuff, too. I've, I've listened to uh, some YouTube videos about him. Mm-hmm. So the, the composer for Donkey Kong, or Donkey Kong Country, was David Weiss? Or was David it? Wise or Weiss, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but DK3, like NES, it was, at, it was some guy, I don't remember his name, but he actually kind of taught Koji. He brought Koji in, took him under his wing, and, like, taught him how to do, like, 8-bit stuff. Oh, nice. I guess Koji did, like, some, like, programming on his own with BASIC. hmm But then they had their own way of doing things, from what I understand. I tried getting into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, how these programs worked. Yeah. Like, with 8-bit. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to understand. I mean, it certainly seems like it's a whole, like thing that i mean for the time it was pretty miraculous because if you listen to some of the scores that we're going to be listening to today it's like you can see that there's almost like an orchestra in some of these songs but they're like with the most like midi like basic type tones that you'll ever come across stripped down yeah so when did you finally realize or start to look up the idea that the scores behind these very famous games you know was Koji Kondo? I don't know. I think I well, I just started like this is back in the downloading days of LimeWire, you know, yeah. download like just random songs. And I've always loved uh, video game music. Um, and I downloaded just random songs, and you know, it would have the author by, and then it would say Koji Kondo. So I started seeing his name. Um, but then once I started listening to like uh, Ocarina of Time Zelda music, because mm-hmm. those songs are really iconic, and they actually have a lot of. Um, significance in the game and how you play the game because mm-hmm. you're actually like playing the songs in the game. Yeah. Um, that's kind of when I like really started like he started getting on my radar. Okay. But yeah. So Ocarina of Time then, huh? Interesting. I think so. Yeah, with Gerudo Valley. Yeah. Everyone loves <laughs> that song. Well, Fred. Uh, I listened to. Out, it. I found out Fred doesn't. I've never played a Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> so. This surprised me, though, Fred, and not because I'm like, oh, my gosh, how could you have never played it? It does feel like a Fred game that you've never explored. Yeah, that's uh, that's we were just talking before we recorded. Like, I'm very interested in getting a Switch, mostly to go back and, like, play some of those games because I know they're accessible, right, mm-hmm. via the Switch? So, because uh, we can... Look past. We can look on the inside of the podcast. We were gonna do a Zelda episode, but I had to come clean. I was like, 
I haven't played any of these, and it's not really like I used to have an emulator in college, but I'm I'm past that now. I'm not yeah. gonna set up an emulator. So in the future, maybe we'll have Nick back and we'll do a legit Zelda episode. But you mentioned that you were uh, grabbing video game music off LimeWire, so you've been into like video game music for a while, then. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've always, I don't know, I've been attracted to that kind of music and. A reason um, Koji Kondo resonates with me is that, like, aside from video game music, I also like jam bands and, like, Led Zeppelin and stuff. And what I've always, like, been kind of gravitating towards, and I don't know if it's because of, like, the influence of video game music on me, but I like artists who can, like, kind of incorporate different genres and, like, kind of get into different genres. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what Koji does. Because, like, in a lot of these games, like in Mario or in Zelda... Each, like, level or world, they have, like, a desert world, or they'll have, like, um, you know, like, a water world. And so, yeah. like, he really tries to get by, like get into these levels and kind of make the sound... Yeah, like you were saying yeah. in the um, sand, is like, the sand level has the sitar yeah. music going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely see that he's plays with genre, which is nice for video games and kind of revolutionary at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very interesting because I and we'll get into his history in a little bit here, but it, it's just you do feel like you have that sense of an adventure. And, you know, when you think about a movie, even like Star Wars, right, when it's like there's like something scary, you get some of the more scary music and you kind of see that like when Mario's running through the castle or, you know, if you're like on, you know, like a main road or something like that, getting Zelda when you're in the overworld, you hear like these big trumpeting, like, you know, orchestrated sounds and you're like, wow, this is a sense of adventure. It's just like, you know, when, when Luke's like swinging over the gap in a new hope right it's like you kind of get that feel that like you're on this like real like journey with these characters and it's probably one of the reasons that they really resonate with us now is you kind of get that feel and there's like a soundtrack to the entire thing where it's like donkey kong was just like the same kind of soundtrack up and down like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the early 8-bit stuff yeah yeah yeah. right or like pong it's just like just like boop you know, there was no like, and it sounds like it sounds like Koji was like a part of that transition too. Like yeah, he was like the guy who facilitated that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we'll we'll definitely dive in here shortly. So, Fred, when did you first start playing any of these games? Then, since you never played Zelda, um, well, it was mostly like I my first system was an N sixty four, and it was the bundle that came with Super Mario, and yeah. I think we'll find out as this episode goes on. Those songs are very uh, instrumental for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, there's, like, there's, those are the only, like, I don't really throw on video game music, but when I'm stressed out, and I'm not going to say which song, because I know you have it queued up somewhere, there's a certain track off the Super Mario 64 that just calms me yeah. so much. And, um, tracks in that game that genuine that gave me genuine like eeriness and freaked me out too Mm. which we'll get to i think the is that 8 to 16 bit is that what you're seeing with sound from like the old systems to like the n64 and playstation or so yeah i don't know if that does the number of bits does affect the the music right nick i think so yeah so like with 8 bits they have different like channels i think there's there's something with like eight bit, and then there's also something with the amount of channels that each system has. Okay. So what I was finding out is that like so like Atari, 
only had two channels. So I think I think what that means is it only has like like this mixer here. It has uh, like one instrument you could have or one kind of like melody and then like maybe like a percussion over here. Yeah. NES had five. So it kind of up the ante and yeah, and I'm pretty sure that is what that means because if you I was listening to like Super Mario and I was trying to count or like okay, so there's a percussion here, there's like this melody, there's this melody, there's this melody and it yeah, so like I said, it doesn't make sense. It's it's tough to understand because I think where I get confused with 8-bit versus like 16-bit is that like the systems themselves, because NES was a 16-bit graphic system. Super Nintendo was 32 bits. Okay. And 64, no doubt, 64 bits, right? So it's like graphically, I understood at least what the engine could do. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, okay, it can go from 2D to 3D because it has more ports to be able to generate these images. But I didn't know how that ever impacted music. And I've never really thought about it because I've always heard 8-bit music. But I never thought like, oh, is it just half the bits are I devoted? I think it has to do with the chip. The chip that they use. Okay. Like what the, what the capacity or like what their capability of that chip is. We're going to figure this out on air. <laughs> 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 but I, um, I have some examples of like different bits noises and bleeps and bloops mm-hmm. so we yeah can... we will definitely be diving into some good songs here because i think it's go- it's hard to do an episode like this without hearing what we're talking about but one thing that i do remember just to kind of go back to even like my own experience was when i had played super nintendo for the first time it was long after like I mean, I had been experienced at NES for years, and I always just been used to like, oh, 8-bit, you know, it's fun. They have these little, like, chimey tunes. But then it was like, when Super Nintendo came along, I was like, whoa, the music actually, like, makes a difference in these games. Because I think I remember playing Super Mario Brothers when I was, like, three years old. Like, uh, my grandparents had an NES, and and then my cousin had, like, a Super Nintendo at my grandparents' house that we would play. And I just remember being, like... Super Mario World was so mind-blowing for me because I was like, I can remember playing these levels and, like, the music would just suck me in. Like the like the Yoshi's Island episode, or, like, when you go into that and you're just, like, hearing, like, the, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
So he's kind of a, like a savant from an earlier age or a prodigy, if you will. So he improved his skills in the instruments uh, by playing in a cover band that played a lot of jazz and rock music. And he studied at the art department of Osaka University of Arts, but was never classically trained or academically dedicated to music. So he was just kind of doing this on his own. I mean, just sort of figuring this out with these bands. He gained some experience in composing and arranging pieces by using the piano. And as Nick mentioned, on the computer, using uh, basic programming sounds in the program Basic. So it was in 1984... It was in his senior year that Nintendo had sent his university a message recruiting people uh, for their music composition and sound programming. And he successfully applied for the job without requiring any demo tapes. He said that I found my way to Nintendo by looking at the school's job placement board. You're supposed to apply to many different companies, but I saw a Nintendo ad and I just had this love of making synthesizers and loved games and thought, well, I guess this is for me interview with them and he's been with Nintendo ever since so it's I mean he's there right from the beginning of like this whole generation of video games that kind of moved from Atari to I mean yeah the 16-bit generation where <laughs> I think video games kind of re- recovered from that crash that happened in 83 when people are like well these aren't doing anything anymore like we're getting E.T. this sucks <laughs> <laughs> So, obviously, Super Mario Brothers, then, was Kondo's first major score, and he created the melodies with the intention that the short segments of music could be endlessly repeated during the gameplay so that uh, nobody would get bored while they're listening to him. And so he kind of followed that philosophy of the, the series creator and designer, which is uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, Miyamoto-san to some others, <laughs> uh, who demanded the audio of the game be made with substance and that they are synchronized elements of the game to be more around the idea of it being an adventure. And so Kondo based a number of the score around genres that are primarily used, as we talked about, kind of in like Latin music, waltz, dancing, and some that were kind of just sort of like fusion bands and like jazz, like alternative and we got the scores that we we came to today. And uh, he has his hands in quite a few different games. So just to name a few, he did Super Mario Brothers. Super Heard Mario. of it. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2. Heard of it. Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, I've heard of it. Super Mario World. Yeah. Pilot Wings. Ooh, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> so Pilot Wings, it looks like the Super Nintendo Pilot Wings, and apparently I oh. thought he did also later. He's in the other one, but he's just credited with one song, I believe. Maybe it's like inspired by or provided like the main composition for it. Look, they wouldn't have the main theme of the N sixty four version without him, and I decided that today. <laughs> <laughs> so, I means you know, no shortage of banging like just out these amazing game scores because people remember these forever. Um, he also had his hand in Punch-Out, uh, Legend of Zelda, The Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Star Fox. Star Fox, The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Yoshi's Island, which is Super Mario World 2, Super Mario 64, Star Fox 64, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, uh, and that was the last one that Koji composed by himself. Is that right, Nick? That's right. Okay. 
But yeah. I think, like Fred said, he had his, like the games that he didn't compose himself, he was also kind of around. Okay. Like he was seeing over people. So he was involved with at least like Majora's Mask, which is the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time immediate follow-up. And Super Mario Sunshine, Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures, New Super Mario Brothers, Twilight Princess, which is The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Galaxy, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, Super Mario 3D World, Super Mario Brothers for Nintendo 3DS and Wii U, Super Mario Maker, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Super Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Super Mario Maker 2. Guys... <laughs> Two of those games would make somebody's career. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it was one after another, especially in the beginning, too. Yeah. I felt like I had to list all those out just to, to illustrate the impact that he's had on the video game industry. Like, I don't think video games are today and sound what they like today without him, right? Definitely. And yeah. I feel like he even jams on his own stuff. Like, Super Smash Brothers, I'm pretty sure, is all original themes, but he's kind of like, there's a Zelda level and there's Mario level. It sounds very much like those tracks, but if he worked on that one, he's like, so he's kind of riffing off himself. I kind of like that. Yeah, or kind of just updating them a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because the Zelda theme, based on what I've listened to, is like the Zelda theme from Smash Brothers is very much like a Zelda theme. Oh, yeah. Because I think if you there is like the, a level in all three of all three. Oh my gosh, who am I thinking this now? All of the Super Smash games now, where there is like a Zelda level that the Hyrule Castle samples, yeah, Hyrule Castle, right? But not the Hyrule Castle from Ocarina of Time. It's just like the Legend of Zelda main theme, right? Isn't that the same case in Super Smash Brothers One, Nick? <laughs> there is a lot of different iterations of Hyrule Castle from Zelda game to Zelda game, though. So I don't know which one is it. In which one? I mean, I would think it's all sampling Ocarina of Time on the N64. Oh, yeah. On the, yeah, probably. Yeah. But, I mean, certainly, I mean, just running down the titles there, I think it is just, it's just insane to think that he had this story career, even to the point where it's like, even his compilations are like the anybody could be jealous of that they weren't involved with, right? Well, you go on Spotify, there's so many artists covering his work in different ways, different styles. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's all songs that you can kind of recognize. But I think one thing I know that you wanted to kind of share with us, Nick, as we start to get into some of these highlights here, I think we got to go back to the start and kind of talk about some of his inspirations, right? So, yeah, you said he played some classic rock and stuff. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer was one of them. Mm. I was going to say Electric Light Orchestra, but that's not it. No. Um, also, Deep Purple, which I was kind of surprised to hear because I, what's that, Smoke on the Water? Yeah. That's what I think of, you know, but they actually have a lot mm. of other, mm. right. Kind of sounds like a bomb mom going, right? <laughs> <laughs> or he's got, uh, or what do they have, Hush, right? Yeah, that's oh, a good yeah. ass Deep Purple song. Right. Hush, hush, thought I heard a call my name now. So when you hear that, I can actually kind of buy that Deep Purple was an inspiration because it has mm-hmm. a little more there, that boom, 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 boom. I think boom. it has like a, it's like an organ, but it's almost yeah. like a sitar vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other songs by them that have the very heavy on the synthesizer, very heavy on keys and stuff. Yeah, do you have any samples of stuff that I he... I do, yeah. You're in for a listening treat audience. So yeah, here's uh, one other... This is Deep Purple. 
Yeah, you can definitely kind of hear it for sure. And then uh, here's some Emerson. Never been crazy about that synthesizer, but it had a synthesizer, so I included it. <laughs> but that's kind of like the staple of 80s songs, right? When you think of like 80s songs, you think of that big synthesizer where they always kind of had that little break or like, right? And I think it was like new technology at the time. They're like, this sounds crazy, so they just went way overboard with it. I mean, it was like the auto-tune of like the late aughts, right? Or the early 2010s. Right. So everything had that auto-tune. I mean, it always comes through the music industry. This is more of a jazz one, and you guys might might raise your brow. Let me tell you that. So this is a song called Let's Not Talk About It by a band called Friendship. It's like a jazz band. Disappointed when I heard that, honestly. But I guess it's something that when you think about how composers go about their music, right? Like, you're always going to hear some subtle inspiration from something else, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, so many artists do it, too. I don't think he was going full Pharrell here. I think this was... <laughs> <laughs> I think this was like... Also, you can hear this with uh, John Williams in the Jaws theme. There's some old uh, classical music piece that people try to always bring up and like, see, this is the Jaws theme. I'm telling you, James. John John is making this, not making this stuff up. Yeah, you actually took the word out of my mouth because I feel like John Williams has gotten a lot of the same grief for doing that stuff where he's borrowing like scores from like classical artists and people who are I mean just long gone still but Mm. I mean it's just the fact that like there are recognizable tunes right and I have the underground theme for those who I'm sure everyone who's listening to this probably has heard the underground theme of Super Mario Bros oh Nick just brought out an 8 track player (laughs) yeah so this is why I mean it's straight up the same song it, it, it kind of sounds like a cool like Beastie Boys version <laughs> well I'm on the ground now <laughs> yeah he's definitely inspired by that band so what were they called again that was called, uh, the band is called Friendship. I okay. actually want to look into them. I like that sound. Yeah. Really funky. Are they older? I, I'm assuming. I mean, they obviously have to predate 1984. <laughs> <laughs> but I meant like, I mean, were they like 1970s or were they pretty contemporary to that time? I don't know. The 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 ar- album art 
Mm-hmm. Kind of looks 70s-ish to me. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I would think 70s. I mean, when you listen to it, certainly it feels like they are older, but... Like proto-electronic. Yeah, I kind of, looking at their history here, it looks like it was... I mean, yeah, it looks like they are an older band, but very interesting. So, and I think it, it, it is an interesting conversation to look at that time, because when you translate all that to 8-bit... You might not be able to recognize some of that stuff immediately because it does sort of have that, you know, not distorted, but it's just sort of blown out a little bit, right? I want to know, like, what that band thought when they played Mario for the first time. Like, <laughs> oh. I mean, but I guess at that time, are you going to go after a video game company, right? right? Like, They probably thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. It's like video games were like, they didn't have any respect at the time, so it probably didn't even seem like that much of an infringement. You know? It was like, like a tiny like part of it. You know, like mm-hmm. the rest of the song was not, you know. Mm-hmm. So what about like Legend of Zelda? Do you have any inspirations directly for that? Because I certainly uh, was reading about how Miyamoto had been putting Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers in development at once, which is why Koji Kondo was doing both scores. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it makes sense that Koji Kondo was on both of these scores and that they do have some, I don't know, similar themes and ideas, even though they sound pretty unique from one another. Like, you're not going to confuse a Legend of Zelda song with a Super Mario song, right? Right. Um, yeah. So what he kind of described it as is, you know, and when we go into the Mario, we'll kind of go into more of like the inspiration behind the music. But Mario is more point A to point B. Like it's more like rhythmic. It's more like action packed. It's supposed to reflect like the rhythm of like uh, the level and like the way Mario runs and jumps and stuff. It's all kind of quick. Um, whereas Zelda, it's all about exploring, especially, mm-hmm. have you played the first Zelda for NES? Yes. So that one is kind of different. Well, actually, I guess Link to the Past, it's kind of like that too, but, um, it's more open world and you don't have to defeat it in a certain order. Like there's different dungeons, Fred, and you can go to any dungeon before the other. Oh. There's no like specific order in which you have to do it. So it's really like, then there's all kind of like hidden side quests and like random little things that you look out for. So yeah, the music reflects more of like an exploration. It's more like atmospheric. It's more... Yeah, I think you're onto something though too, where yeah, you do, like I kind of brought it back to where we were talking about before of like, it is sort of like being in Star Wars, you know, and it's like when you're in a very like, like in a dungeon, right? You sort of feels like you're going to the Death Star. You hear like those dun, 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 boom, boom, boom. Whereas, like, you know, if it's, like, something exciting where they're, like, doing the trench run, you get that, like, ba-ba-ba, that's, like, being on the overworld, right? Like, it's, like, you're adventuring, like, you're, like, oh, this is an exciting moment versus, like, oh, this is scary. Like. <laughs> right. And what I think is really cool and really, like, shows the genius of Koji Kondo is that um, there's dungeons in each. There's a dungeon in Mario, there's dungeons in Zelda, but they don't sound the same. Like, like there's a Mario sound and then there's a Zelda sound. They're very distinct and different. And so, like, a dungeon, you know, may, might sound more rhythmic in a Mario game, whereas, like, in a Zelda game, um, it's more creepy, more eerie. Like, you're just kind of on edge. Right. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's, like, those kind of established, I feel like the 
the patterns of video games going forward. Like, think about, we were just talking about God of War, right? When you're on, like, the overworld map, you know, and, like, you're in, like, you know, the snowy hill mountains of Midgard, right? And you kind of feel that just sort of, like, it's like, duh, duh, duh. You know, like, there's just, like, that epic feeling that you kind of get when you're in, like, those overworlds, like, in Mario and Zelda, where it's just sort of, like, you just feel like the orchestra kind of beating, like, you're doing something very adventurous. Whereas, like, if you're in, like, a cavern, you kind of get that, like, wee, like, lots of strings. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I mean... Certainly, movies helped inspire some of that, but you definitely kind of see where they took almost like the idea of like we're going to push a movie or a story like that into this medium and turn it into something completely different. Because before that, otherwise it was you're just climbing levels in Donkey Kong, right? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like yeah, but no, like you said you're going point A to point B, and you feel like you're on the adventure, and it has a score that actually gives you that feeling that like you're in, you're accomplishing something, right? Mm-hmm. And in video games, it's a whole other ball game because if you like, if there's a, you're in a level, you go to this side of the level, it might sound a little bit different. Whereas if you go to this side of the level, the music changes. Like in uh, Super Mario World, when you hop on Yoshi, you start hearing the bongos play, you know, but it's still the same song. Oh yeah. So like the song has to be dynamic and really cool. I j- actually just found this out on the way here. Zelda sixty four, like the Hyrule main theme, where, like you're out in the open. It's actually a series of 12 different phrases. Are you guys familiar with what phrases are in music? Explain us. Explain away. Basically, it's like a pat like a certain amount of melodies and I'm not, I don't I don't I'm not music I'm not very good in music theory, but I the music phrase is like, you know, like a melody that flows or whatever and then it like mm-hmm. there's a there's a stop they're starting to stop. But it so within that song there's 12 different phrases. But they occur randomly. So, like, and Koji did that because he didn't want, like, the gamers to get um, bored. So, like, they would never expect, like, what comes next in the song. But, like, also, they programmed it in a way that each phrase can seamlessly go into the other one. Mm. Um, we can listen to it later, and there's different parts. Like, some of it, and also, like, if you're near an enemy, like, it'll be more likely that this phrase will play than the other one. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And so, like, the, like if you start playing the game... You're not going to hear the exact arrangement the same twice in a row. Well, maybe like a, mm. odds are really slim, but so it's like little parts of a song, like little chunks, like ba bum bum. Then another one could be ba bum bum. They're in sync with each other, but those different twelve sections could be randomly placed. Correct. Okay, but, I get that. But the bum bums might last longer than like three bums. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I couldn't. I'm not Lydia Tarr. I can't just come up with melodies <laughs> off the top of my head. I can't wait to just keep dropping tar references throughout this. But um, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I think I liked where you're going with that. Yeah, I think that's super cool. Could, I feel like I'm kind of skipping ahead because I I was kind of gonna like the the list of uh, games you listed earlier. I was gonna kind of go through as as we go and we get to do some analysis. Yeah, well, why don't we start, yeah, keep going back to the top. Let's kind of hear what we're talking about, you know, a little bit, too. Or maybe you were talking a little bit about the Atari, like, chip tune. Yes. And would love to kind of know where video game music sort of started and what he was working with at the time before he kind of took it to the next level. Right. So, like you were saying, like, in the early Atari, like, Pong was, like, bleeps and bloops and Mm -hmm. nothing really going on there. And then there is a game called Pressure Cooker. Okay. <laughs> Which I had never heard about. 
the game's called Pressure Cooker by Gary Kitchen. And um, so they figured out that there are certain pitches that actually sound good in the in the basic. So when you program with basic, you can make these different sounds. And he found out that there are certain, I don't know, codes maybe that make these pitches. And he found out the ones that sound good. Okay. So he hired a composer to make a song using the pitches that he found. So probably like I just certain notes, like, okay. hey, here's the notes you can use. Make me a song, make me a melody with these notes. And so he did. And that was like the first one that actually had like music. Mm. Um, and I can play it for you here. All right. I've heard this. <laughs> it does sound familiar. <laughs> right. And so, um, and then as they moved along, they found that there are these four different waves. So like when you think of a sound wave, this is getting into the, like, you know, getting way into it, but there's, there's different kinds of shapes of the wave that make different noises. And there's four different ones that they're using. One called a square, a triangle, a sawtooth, and the fourth one is just called noise. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, there's a wave, like, when you, there's a picture of a straight line. You start at one point, and it kind of goes above, and there's, like, an arc, and then it goes down below the line, and bark. But, like, so the square one is just, like, rectangles, like, straight up, 90-degree angle, straight down. Triangles, like, triangles, sawtooth, like a, a, a triangle with, like, a acute angle, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then noise is just like incoherent squiggles on the line. Oh, weird. So here's what they sound like. Oh. So that was square triangle sawtooth noise. Okay, Let's so those... one more time, maybe, huh? Yeah, so these are all the basic sounds of, like, Atari. So, yeah, the sawtooth kind of sounded like more like a... <laughs> so I, I thought the sawtooth was going to be the... Right. Yeah, me too. But yeah, and the noise sounded like maybe like an explosion in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So then that's what they used um, in a lot of these early games, and they like it could take those sounds and then adjust the pitch of it, and actually make music with that. Oh, okay. And then it gets more complicated with NES. They have more channels. Like I was saying earlier, like also there one factor is that they, like they can only have so many instruments going. I mean, not really an instrument. When I say instrument, I mean like a. a you know, a square or a sawtooth or whatever with different melodies. So they could only have two of those going at a time. Mm-hmm. So I guess like with chopsticks, like dun, 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 that would be one channel. And then do, 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 do. That would be oh, like heart channel. and soul, you mean? Heart and soul? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chopsticks. But it's all in big. So I mean, right. Get my big melodies confused. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's more channels that went along. NES had more channels. Sega had six channels, and they could also incorporate FM synthesis, which was like um, a sound that Yamaha synthesizers were like making popular at the time. Yeah. And then once they got to 3D gaming, like N64, the audio equipment was so sophisticated they can make like actually like it sounded more resembling of like movie scores. Okay, um, so that kind of helps explain the bits actually a little bit better now because i know we were kind of like trying to grasp that earlier but now it kind of makes sense of like okay here are each of those tones and here's how they can kind of pitch them differently to make the music that's super fascinating <laughs> i had no idea it's kind of yeah. cool once you like break it down like how, how did they figure out you know the zeros and ones to i don't know 
Yeah. Zero one 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 zero right, zero. Zero. I feel like that meme though, where it's like the old person walking with a walker and like we used to make beeps with sawtooth, and I'm like, okay, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because I got my first system was an N64, so I like came up on the like the thick scores. Yeah. You know? you got, <laughs> like, like the real, the real. I never knew how life. good I had it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start from the top from Punch Out. That's the that's Koji's like very red, first one, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a and listen to it. This came out in 1983, I think. So this actually, so some of these I took a little. I wanted to spice it up a little bit, so I actually like got covers of the songs. So like mm-hmm. I was trying to like go for like covers of the songs that didn't take too much creative freedom. That it was kind of true to the own, but then also like maybe like what Koji was like imagining if it was actual instruments. Sure. For sure. And also, it is hard just to find the originals. A lot of the stuff out there are covers. Oh, yeah. Right. And here's Punch Out. Yeah. This is like for a punching game? So, do you remember Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Yeah. This is like the original version or that original game. Yeah. Without Mike Tyson sponsoring. (laughs) But yeah, because they have like versions of that in that game too. It's like, like when you're in the training sequence, the guy's on his bike and you're like running behind him. It gets you pumped. It does. It's a great song. And that's amazing that that was also Koshi Kondo. Wow. He really has had his imprint on a lot of different things. So that was kind of like the first time I think we got, I mean, and obviously you have to imagine a toned down version of that, but I mean, that tune is definitely very memorable for a lot of people who've played punch out either the original or the, the one on NES with Mike Tyson's Mike punch out and <laughs> people figuring out how to beat Tyson because he was impossible. <laughs> so you'd always just like bite your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Fred, keep it in the holy field, will you? <laughs> oh, stop grilling me! <laughs> so we we did get that. So he really expanded the use of the chip tunes in order to get that. Because I think that first punch out was in arcade, uh, is what I was reading up on it. And then in 1985, we got the first of his scores with uh, Super Mario Brothers, Nick, and. I don't know. I mean, is there anything in between there that he really did, or was that kind of his next step? It sounded like that was the next step. I mean, yeah, because I think he started in 84, and then wouldn't what, what Mario come out, 85? Yeah. Yeah, so he, I know he got right to work. I, mean, I think I wonder if, like, Punch-Out was maybe, like, you know, if you get this done, kid, then you can move on, you know? Yeah. I mean, so between that, I mentioned this, too. So he did a game called Golf. Family Basic, Devil World, Soccer, Arm Wrestling, which I know also sampled some songs from uh, Punch-Out, and then Kung Fu, which is like, I think kind of had some traction. People know that game if you yeah, tell them about it. That was a popular one. I looked up to try and find a song off it, and I couldn't find anything that, you know, sounded good. <laughs> well, 
Let's jump into Super Mario Brothers. I mean, to kind of hear the evolution from that last one to a song I'm sure nobody's ever heard. <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers, like, first level theme. Right. And here's the OG chip music. Another word for 8-bit music is also chip music. No. Okay. That's what the kids are saying these days. Oh, the kids. The Zoomers. And you can kind of hear the different channels. Like, try and listen to each different melody. Remember, like, that sound noise? That's what the percussion is here. Trying to sound like Sawtooth to me. Yeah. Now I know. I understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, anybody who hasn't heard of Mario <laughs> at least knows that song. Yeah, and it started um, like we kind of noted earlier, like his inspiration for that one. Um, so he played the game first before he made the music. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, he, he played it over and over and over again, he said. And what he was kind of like coming from with that is like he first saw like the grass covered plains and wanted something kind of laid back, more like a laid back sound for like the grassy um, land. Mm-hmm. And they're also developing, so like they they had some of the levels, but they're also developing the rest of the game while they're making the music. So it was very much in unison. And then they would play the game, like, oh, that doesn't really sound right. So then they would go back, change the music. So it was like an active part in the game. Sure. And he's trying to um, reflect the urgency and how like, you know, if you could picture like Mario running in your head, like his like legs are like going really crazy and he's jumping and there's stuff all over the place. Yeah. So, like there's an urgency there, and um, you know, like when it's towards the end of the level and the the tempo speeds up, and like I gotta get to the end of this thing, you know. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, and that kind of also goes to what we were saying earlier with like Mario's more of a rhythmic song; it's action packed. And yeah. you can definitely hear those inspirations that we were listening to earlier, like the Deep Purple and like the just the more upbeat. I'm thinking of like Hush now. I'm like boom, 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 you know, it's like you kind of get all those little guitars in there too. The bass line, like everything is kind of where it really is like you're listening to like a concert, which I think is why some of these songs play so well in like those video games live that you see on like YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Where you see all of the big orchestras like playing them. But I know Legend of Zelda, we were talking about how it's different than Super Mario. And it'd be great to hear that one just to kind of compare now especially if anybody is not familiar with zelda i mean this is this is what it's all about absolutely you'll hear that kind of it's more it's like lord of the rings you kind of feel like you're entering that so yeah i got the 8-bit version i also got like imagining it through an orchestra oh nice so here we go here's the (laughs) 8-bit Harmonizing melodies. Yeah. And then there's the call and the answer. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
The kingdoms of men are under attack. Yep. It's got that call and answer, and Zelda has to answer the call. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it is a little bit like that, but Zelda is actually the name of the princess that needs saving. Link is the hero. Wait, <laughs> his name's Link? I guess I knew that from Smash Brothers. Yeah. Link? Yeah. I, I would have writer's room that a little bit. <laughs> they, they named him that because he is the link between you and the game. That's why they came up with that name. Cool. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So um, yeah. So that also brings up um, a concept that it was reoccurring in Koji songs, uh, which I've discovered through the, my research, called a late motif. Okay. Which is uh, a recurrent theme throughout musical or literary composition associated with a particular person, idea, or situation, and that can be found in like movie scores as well. And that's super big. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little. I'm sure we'll get there in Mario 64. I feel a lot of the Bowser stuff. He had that boom, 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 boom anytime. Oh, right. oh, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that, I remember that striking fear in me that after every letter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just so like, I know, it just sticks in your brain after you hear songs like that. Yeah. So. I think the you were talking about the motif though, Nick. And what are some of the things that you found throughout? Do you find that like it was carrying through? Obviously, the Legend of Zelda theme and the Mario theme all kind of like carry through on some of these other games. Like as we keep moving on, but especially as we kind of moved into like Super Mario Brothers two and Super Mario Brothers three, they each have kind of a very unique sound. Like you can tell they're related without knowing that they are necessarily the same game. Or like you could be like, that might not be the original. I guess what I'm asking. Other <laughs> <laughs> examples of late motif? Yeah, I guess. And throughout the the other two Super Mario Brothers on the NES. Well, there there is definitely in Zelda and across all different Zelda games. Um, mm-hmm. As far as Mario. Probably I didn't like specifically go looking for that, but there definitely is like maybe it's also the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like similarities in some things. I don't know if it's like a specific melody, like in as in far as Zelda. Um, there's definitely that um, do 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 do. Mm-hmm. That melody is like in all all these different games, and even within different um, songs within the games, they're still like chime that in. I don't know if that's also in Mario. I'm sure. If, now I'll go back and listen for it. But um, <laughs> in Mario 2, um, as if, if anyone has like looked into like gaming history, so Mario 2 actually was supposed to be a different game. Mm-hmm. Well, it was that. a different game in Japan. Right. Yeah, it's Correct. called Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, so that music better name. is completely different. Yeah. Same, better name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Super Mario Doki Doki <laughs> Panic. <laughs> Yeah, so that one's a little different. But I think the comparison between 1 and 3, Super Mario 1 and Super Mario 3, there probably is more of, there is more of that. Okay. But uh, here's an example of late motif in other Zelda games. Uh, here's a really cool song I like from Link's Awakening, which was originally out on Game Boy, but then they redid it on the Switch. Ooh, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And um, this one is called Tall, Tall Heights, which is a region of the game like by the mountains. Mm. So you can kind of hear some of the same melodies from the original soundtrack here. (laughs) 
It's got like almost like that flamenco go guitar going, yeah. uh-huh. but then it has that orchestral like nightly pop. <laughs> I'm looking for the Triforce of Courage, <laughs> punk. <laughs> but when you hum that, or whatever, I just did Star Wars. What was, <laughs> you hum it again, the Zelda. Um, Dun, 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 dun. That is definitely they use that in Super Smash for yeah. sure. Whether right. it's the whole track, but that little melody is very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Here's one more example of this late motif. This is off of A Link Between Worlds, which is on the 3DS. Oop. Example for like in film, I feel the Bond movies do this really well with the opening song. They'll like repeat those melodies in different styles. Like I know, especially in Casino Royale, it does that mm-hmm. really well. You'll get like the rock Chris Cornell version, then later you get that beautiful symphonic version that just fills the room. Oh yeah, right? and it is. It's prevalent all of them. Like you get it in Goldfinger too, or you just hear that like. Adds so much, mm-hmm. and it's something mm-hmm. so subtle, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and adding like another genre twist to it. Like I felt like that had a very different musical style, even though it was playing the same music. But it gives it a new yet, you know, similar feel. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we can definitely hear a lot of those, yeah, you know, late motifs being repeated. And Zelda is probably the perfect example of that because. It does, like you were talking about it, Fred, in Super Smash Brothers for N64, Super Smash Brothers Melee, like it just continues to keep coming back and back and back. I don't know if it happened in Breath of the Wild, but we're, we're jumping way ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead, Nick. Uh, one more song from Zelda, the NES version, because um, I wanted to, uh, this is going to be one of my top three. Oh, I'm oh, skipping, whoa, 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 away. whoa. Don't Sorry. tell people that. I'm new to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So, Fred, because you haven't played the game, listen to this and kind of tell me, like, what part of the game you might think this is from. I'm picturing two girls playing in a castle. One girl has the power of snow. (laughs) No, it just really reminds me of Frozen. But let me think. I feel like this is you get to a castle and you're coming up the stairs and you don't know what's behind every door. (laughs) It's funny because you're not far off, but... But some broader concepts, it makes you feel like it gives like uneasy, kind of eerie. Yeah, like you're entering an abandoned area or something. Yeah, like it right. sounds like some score you would play for like a kids' movie that's eerie. Mm-hmm. Like you, you move into a new house and there's something creepy in the attic or yeah. something. <laughs> like Skinnamarink. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, don't even. I tried. So Ashley, I told Ashley about it, and she was like, "I want to watch that movie." Too slow for her. <laughs> I will oh, say. Come on. 
But that was what the dungeon theme from Zelda. Yeah, yeah. It was a dungeon. So yeah, there's a lot of spooky doors, you know, corridors, and mm. yeah. And everyone knows I love that spooky shit. Mm. <laughs> that spooky, spooky shit. Yeah, Fred, you need to play Luigi's Mansion. You ever played it? Oof, I'll play it when I get a Switch. Right? That's another game I could play. I think there's been like three iterations of it. But he did. But Koji didn't do anything for like Luigi's Mansion, right? Not that I know of. I didn't look. Once he start kind of fell off with Ocarina of Time, I didn't really pay too much attention or like do that much research into the other ones. Because it was very vague. It said like he was on the team and he oversaw, but mm-hmm. I don't really know like where did he get his hands dirty? Where didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll say we'll when we get to some of our uh, choices, we might have a creepy. Koji theme. Creepy Koji theme. <laughs> Crazy co- creepy Koji. Say that three times fast. <laughs> creepy Koji. Creepy Koji composition. Ooh, Ooh. Creepy Koji condo composition. Oh. Wow, you guys are killing it. <laughs> so we're talking about Doki Doki? Yeah. Should, should we go for it? Yeah. Doki do Doki. Hundred percent, and you could really hear like how different it is from the original game because you do kind of get the sense that yeah, it's like got a little more like spunk to it with that ragtime feel mm-hmm. versus the what do you like the prog rock kind of fusion of the first game where it's like like yeah i like that he's like yeah and i'm just gonna do this kind of song and it's like very different it doesn't you don't think it's gonna work but it very much works and it's funny too because it's almost because they did import that game that it makes it added like a whole new feel to mario that kind of persevered because they never really came back to it though like a lot of those items you get and the enemies well, here and there, I guess, but... Yeah, I would say that we still see, like, the Shy Guy, like, in the right. Mario Party oh, games, true. and uh, Birdo kind of shows up, like, just being, what, a race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely like, though, how that kind of changed things up a little bit. And it does feel like those motifs come back a little bit in um, Super Mario 64. You know, in some of those levels... I think there's a couple songs we'll be ended up talking about, but yeah, you kind of get that feel of, oh, it's got that little like, right. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. thinking the select screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, here's uh here. We'll choose another one real quick. Ooh. Unless you got something. Already Con- continue taking us on this tour, Nick. We enjoy it. <laughs> I hear you are looking for safe passage. <laughs> I don't know who's saying that or what they're talking about, but I like it. It reminds me of, uh, what's his name from Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Indy! 
forget John Reese. Is that John Reese Davies no, or Myers? No, it was John yeah. Reese Davies. Yeah, I was like, not nah, John Reese Myers. <laughs> Gimli. Gimli, yes. Nobody throws a dwarf. <laughs> Rare roast beef. <laughs> I do, but yeah, I definitely do like how it just played with so much because I think, what was it, the first. Super Mario 2 that released in Japan was basically what we know as the lost levels in like the Mario All-Star on Super Nintendo or on Switch. But um and like that was just so much like the the first one that they didn't want to release that here. They're like this doesn't feel like a different game. I think also the difficulty they oh, yeah. it was too difficult for Americans. That's probably true too. I think I had to remember to get my butt kicked in. <laughs> I could never play that game. Yeah. So, but then you get to Super Mario Brothers 3, right? And we start seeing kind of more. I think this is where we really get the sense of like each world kind of has its own like theme song, right? When mm-hmm. you're like in a desert, you kind of get more of that sitar. And if you're in like the water world, it's a lot more like the underwater theme from the first one, where it's a little more bubbly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Bubble right. music. Um, and this was actually Koji's favorite one he worked on, he said. Oh, Super oh. Mario 3. Let's oh, favorite game or favorite song? Favorite game that he worked on, or maybe just composition of songs. Okay. Yeah, so this is very familiar. This is the grassland theme. Brings back so many memories. All of these songs bring back a lot of memories. I think that's a lot of what's with him now, too, is nostalgia, right? Right. This is a cool version of it. It's very regular. Yeah, yeah. But the original version is pretty reggae, too, right? Right, yeah. that didn't stray too far from the original. Yeah. Except maybe punch up. So it's interesting because when you listen to these songs versus the ones we heard in the first game, it sounds like there's the chip is doing a lot more work than in that first game. Even though the the score in there, even when you got like the star theme, but like you can just kind of hear it, right? Like you hear a little more of that orchestrated kind of like there's like more work being done, the, the, like the high steel drums versus just kind of like that steady percussion of like... Mm-hmm. Even the sounds too, like the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's really just stretching the, <laughs> the capabilities of the system at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, man, that really kind of gets us through most of the, the NES then, huh? It does. But when we hear, like, the Super Nintendo, right, with Super Mario World, and I kind of was talking about earlier, like, you kind of really start to feel the orchestra come alive through the chip. And, man, I I mean, I think Super Mario World is exactly the right game, especially coming right off of uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, to know or kind of sense the difference in what they all sound like, because it's just... Everything's doing a little more work. Yeah, so the the songs I picked from Super Mario World 
I didn't pick like the 16-bit version. I picked the cover version. So you probably that's probably not going to shine through like what you were saying, the capabilities of the chip. However, in Zelda, I feel like that's very apparent where you hear the orchestras and stuff. Here we go is Super Mario World. feeling of like super mario brothers 3 like you know we kind of heard that like ragtime and like a mix of like the old west you know it's sort of like like i kind of think of like zz top and back to the future 3 when they're playing they're like funky like songs when it kicked in i just pictured someone like who's been doing coke all night walking at four in the morning like missing some teeth yeah crimps but yeah, it's it's so interesting how it just like he is bringing back so much of like the feelings of those NES games in the Super Nintendo game, and you just yeah you could just kind of hear everything come to life. And he's getting funky with the instruments. Like I don't think people would have thought of banjo in video games. No, he but he goes back to the banjo. <laughs> he's very. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, uh, maybe even nowadays, I've. Like, under, like, such a powerful company like Nintendo, they'd probably be, like, pressure. Like, he's taking a lot of creative liberties going out and doing all these, you know, like, that Indian theme uh, from Super Mario 2 that we just listened to. Like, there's a lot of different, like, he's really out there. He's really going for it. Yeah, right. Yeah, really incorporating, like, sort of, like, yeah, those alternative just songs that people are probably not even thinking about going to. Right. Here's uh, the castle theme. actually reminded me of like that dungeon theme we heard in legend of zelda right where like you kind of have that like that spooky feeling you're like oh people are up there but it's sort of like you're getting into the castle and it's like oh there's mystery and then all of a sudden you hear that you're like uh oh <laughs> some skin meringue things around the corner <laughs> i don't even know what the movie's about i'm just imagining <laughs> But yeah, you do get that sense of dread, like a, like it just is like the strings are like kicking in, and then it's going like, <laughs> very interesting. I was thinking the same thing. It definitely did sound kind of Zelda-ish. Yeah, like you can start to hear, yeah, outside of Mario now coming back a little bit, because like certainly you hear that in like the the Bowser castles in like the NES games, right? Or like. You know, there's always like those kind of like just like very string heavy, like boo boo, you know. And but yeah, now we're starting to hear it's almost sort of like he's starting to borrow a little from everything that he's worked on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we're gonna hear that punch out song, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. that kind of like stood alone among all these different songs. It's good, it's good that he has that palette, yeah. All right, so I hinted at it earlier. Here is Zelda. Link to the Past, which, Fred, if you do get that Switch, um, this would be a good one to start with, I think. 
cool. I don't know if it's starting from the beginning, like the NES version. It's kind of dated, but I think this one you get the full feel of what a early Zelda game would be like. All right. There we go. <laughs> you have my soul and my <laughs> Do they, Gandalf? <laughs> but yeah, I was just saying before about Punch Out. Like, oh, I wonder if we're gonna hear that come back. I kind of felt like there's a little bit of that, a little bit just sort of that, like you're kind of yeah. like getting amped up to get going, right? Because mm-hmm. in the game, like you just kind of transferred over to a whole dark world like you start in like the world of light and then you have to go to like the dark world where like it's like the alternate reality of like what if the land was taken over by evil and all that and you're and you kind of get that sense of like ooh, this place is different but i'm still determined <laughs> right and also like now that we're in the snes realm of things and you could actually hear that sound like a trumpet that burr, 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 mm-hmm. you know so it really kind of upscaled the audio quality yeah introducing mm-hmm. more instruments we mentioned the banjo before right uh, we're not hearing trumpets and then you kind of get yeah it almost sounds just like more of like a, a string ensemble rather than just one person playing a violin right right <laughs> or like fiddling <laughs> <laughs> all right so going down your list uh we got yoshi's island Yoshi's Island. This yeah. is one of my faves. Yeah, you do kind of hear a little more of the Zelda coming in through this one especially. Doesn't sound like there's no like late motif of Mario or any kind of like hint of Mario. Which it's not though, right? Because this is Super Mario World 2. Technically, right. I think it's called Yoshi's Island, right? Super Mario World 2, where Mario's a little baby in the bubble. But I love that like, like that little. I like the effect on the drums. You do get a lot more of like somebody's like kicking like in that whole drum kit. It's not mm-hmm. just like one little like pitter patter on the on a drum set right like you're kind of not just hearing like one repeat beat you're hearing like the whole like it's like uh like tommy lee's just going <laughs> i don't know i reach for tommy lee of all yeah. <laughs> i kind of just looked at the ground <laughs> could have gone for neil pert could have gone for <laughs> it's just because i feel like the pam and tommy show is still in my brain <laughs> phil collins man <laughs> Bill Collins would do a mean Super Mario Mouse soundtrack. But it'd be all about his ex-wife. <laughs> oh, no, <man. laughs> well, imagine if, like, yeah, it's like Bill like, Collins doing Tarzan, the soundtrack, but instead it's the Super Mario movie. <laughs> I wouldn't like that at all. I think it'd be awful. I want to know about these Yoshis like me. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly. There's a girl that's been on my mind. All the time. <laughs> There's a lonely toad in the corner. <laughs> lonely toad in the corner. 
I didn't even get to finish my punchline. Sorry. <laughs> pr- pr- Prince Peach. I had to take off the headphones because I'm getting the reverb. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you were done. Oh, no. That's all good. It's all good. I'm really interested to see with this new Mario movie, like what kind of songs they're going to do and how they do them. So there's, there's rumor. Some... We'll get into it and could have, would have, should have. Nope. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. But Chris Pratt's doing the whole soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, this is just, I, I was dreaming about this last night. I talked to uh, Arnie's daughter, my wife, um, <laughs> and I was like, this is it. <laughs> I've been really getting into guitar recently. <laughs> We know we could play guitar, though. Remember Mouse Rat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fell into the tube. <laughs> you fell in, in the tube. <laughs> 10,000 toads in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving right along, we're in N64 era. Ooh, so okay. Which actually, this Mario 64 came out one year after Yoshi's Island. Wow. Which is kind of weird. It is because that feels really close to man. So I feel it's, like there should be more of a transition to 3D. They just kind of went right into it a little bit. But you kind of think about. I mean, these consoles, consoles, <laughs> these consoles do just sort of run on top of one another. You're seeing it right now with the PS4 and the PS5, and I mean the Series X and like the Xbox One. Like they're still releasing titles on both of these. But, like, Super Nintendo and N64 didn't share any titles because they couldn't because the graphics were completely different. Mm-hmm. But I do remember reading and, or finding that, like, there were games that were released on Super Nintendo that also got released on NES at the same time. And they're just, like, low-grade versions of the <laughs> Super Nintendo versions. And right. You're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe people played this. But who had however much money it was for a Super Nintendo at the time, right? A lot cheaper to just buy a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the new AMC seating thing, you know. You can have the premium, or you get the shitty front ones. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have your PS4 titles or the PS5 <laughs> <laughs> if you can find one. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to hear the progression because right, we've heard like kind of those instruments coming in in the Super Nintendo era from where it was with the NES, where they, you know we had the beep beep beeps, and then you got the more like boop a doop a doo, and now. Rain N64, where it does feel like it becomes these fully orchestrated pieces. I think this is where his magic kind of comes to life a little bit, right? Absolutely. And this is a good example of that. This is uh, from uh, Mario. The launch title. Mm. Except this is not the original version. It's a cover. It's a good cover. Got the strings. Got the quartet. Yeah. Is this starting to bring back feelings for you, Fred? Yeah, because I'm going to say what's great with these is what you were talking about before, that these songs have to repeat. And I think once you get to these N64 songs, they just have this repeatability that is just astounding that you can listen to that same thing for like I just remember like setting the controller down and doing stuff and just hearing yeah (laughs) (laughs) it never got grading it's uh, I would imagine it'd be hard to write a song that doesn't get old ever you know Mm -hmm. but I mean that's how a lot of these composers work there's people who talk about that like when they made some of these themes they would sit in the room listen to their recordings over and over again and see if they got tired of them and it was like 
after five hours even like you know they're sitting there listening <laughs> for five hours the and they're they're just like oh, this sucks like they're just gonna go back to the drawing board and be like i gotta redo it because i need something that's gonna feel fresh no matter how long you listen to it which is why i think like in the zelda game it's like that theme keeps playing over and over again even on nes when it's just like the same overall theme over and over same dungeon theme you still have this feeling of like oh man oh man i'm still feeling this anxiety <laughs> Here's another banger. This is, uh, I think this is going to draw some tears here. Oh, boy. No preface. We're just going in. The comments on this YouTube video says, sounds like Saturday morning in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> it also really reminds me in Donnie Darko when Patrick Swayze shows his video. Oh. It's like, the, I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> You too can feel relaxed. <laughs> Lay back. Close your eyes. Pretend you're floating. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It reminds me for some reason of uh, Seal Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> I don't know why. That was not what I expected you to say. <laughs> it had that like same kind of like tone on it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's not as waltzy though as uh, mm-hmm. Kiss from a Rose, but you definitely hear sort of those mid 90s. I kind of feel Collins like, mm-hmm. you'll be yeah. in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, it's a good tune. But I mean, I think that song too really demonstrates how powerful the sound chip was on the N64, mm-hmm. where. You feel like you're like almost like in surround sound now. Like there's like people behind you like playing strings and like boo 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 boo. <laughs> you know, like a little piano or something. Yeah, I used to have one of those like light things that you could project colored light onto the ceiling oh, nice. and it would give you like an ocean feel. Nice. I really want a new one because you cannot get one that will last more than a few uses. Cause they just make crappy ones yeah but i used to like i would play like that song mm-hmm. and in my room I have like that blue oh, floating man. like feeling oh man it's great after a long day just turn down mm-hmm. the lights and <laughs> yeah i always said if i like was super rich i would want on my house my property a dark ride like at disney with that kind of lighting just slowly going around an air conditioning room with that kind of music mm-hmm. like That'd just be so nice. I kind of want to get you rich now. <laughs> you guys can come over to my dark ride. <laughs> my, do- my dark ride. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's another one. I'm Garth Marenghi. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of like that first Super Mario World song you played. That's what I was thinking when I said he goes back to this kind of music. It was this track. Yeah. Just sort of like, yeah, like you're on a ranch or something like that. You get your, like some, it's like dueling banjos in uh, Deliverance. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, that comes from the level where you go in that room and you're like, oh, there's no there's no puzzle thing here. And then you realize, oh, there is. It's in the stained glass. <laughs> you have to jump through it's the one window. way out of here. My <laughs> goodness. I love a butt slide level. (laughs) I always try to do that butt slide to start versus like the frontwards dive. Yeah. If I was rich, that's what I would have in my house, a butt slide. (laughs) (laughs) But is it going to have those intense edges where like you just fall into oblivion? (laughs) 
No, it's good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then here's, I think this is a good example of uh, something we were talking about earlier. Lethal Lava Land. <laughs> When I listen to that, I think, okay, like it kind of sounds like I see like the, if you remember the level, there's like lava blooping all over the place, there's mm-hmm. bubbles, and there's like all kinds of like obstacle courses and lava moving and like things jumping out, and um, I, I, you hear that in the song because it's kind of all over the place. You, you know, I feel like I I see lava blooping. You know, just listening to it. Yeah. Definitely. You get that feeling, too, of just like, it's like, ooh, it's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it can't be underestimated. I know there's been a couple of podcasts talking about this recently, but Super Mario 64 really changed the game. I, I don't even know that N64 ever topped itself with Super Mario 64. No. Like, there's been some good Mario games since then, but, man, it's, a, it's an all-timer. It's just really good. Great soundtrack, great gameplay. The graphics, obviously, now not as awesome, but at the time, it was like, whoa. But is- it, it's also one of those games you can, like, pick up, and it doesn't feel like... I played it with an N64 controller. It doesn't feel junky. Like, when you go back to games, mm-hmm. and you're like, how did I ever play this without the... What's the term when you had the two sticks, and you can, like, move your view with your... Oh, yeah. Because it, it has, like, a very primitive version of that because you have the function of the little shell guy with the camera. Yeah. So you can have, like, those different views, but, like, it just, the movement's still good. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's great. But, yeah, I just, you feel that theme come in, right? Right at the beginning, just the music just kind of brings you right back into that game whenever you play it. It's just, like, the nostalgia factor, but then it also, you remember, oh, this game's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I know you wanted to share some of Ocarina of Time, which we'd be remiss if we didn't spend some time with this because I feel like this may be, while he may have enjoyed his Super Mario Brothers 3 score, I think this Ocarina of Time soundtrack is what made him like recognizable, like, oh, this guy is bringing the heat. This is one of the greatest like all-time video game soundtracks. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> librarian (laughs) until one day (laughs) you hear the harpsichord yeah very medieval renaissance Mm -hmm. i mean i would almost go as far to say lord of the rings probably borrowed a little bit from that like howard shore i mean God rest his soul, but would have loved to put him on the spot and be like, hey, dude, where are your influences? (laughs) (laughs) 
Also the tambourine, very medieval. Oh yeah. Oh, very like very fantasy. Brings you back. I lied, by the way. Howard Shore is still alive. Yeah, I didn't think he died. I was like, damn. Who's the composer? <laughs> There's somebody pretty big though that passed away. Is it Marconi? Not well, yeah, but um, but he was like somebody who did a lot of modern scores, like a Howard Shore, Hans Zimmer. So this next one is kind of what I was talking about before with the Hyrule Field. It had the twelve different phrases, which kind of kind of jumped around. So this is a orchestra version of it, but I definitely want to listen to. Uh, I can even fast forward to it, but like the part where the enemy comes in, it's just really. This is really, I think, one of his best ones, and also the concept behind like how he had to write it. That's like, I feel like that's like the best example of what the, what the N64 can do, especially when you listen to it in comparison. Obviously, we're hearing the fully composed scores, right? Of people who are kind of like elevating what the songs are, but like there, I mean, you were kind of of talking about it. You hear all the different ways that his score kind of had to develop and then all these different like routes had to go down. So these phrases will all kind of complement one another. It's just very impressive. The composer I was thinking of, by the way, was James Horner. Oh, the Horn Man? Yeah. So we're talking, you know, whatever it is. We did Troy, did like all those like modern epics, you know, Apocalypto, mm-hmm. Avatar. Ooh, I like I like some of those themes. Yeah. So that's why I was like, well, Howard Shore kind of does similar yeah. <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Easy to confuse. They both but with a name like James Horner, definitely going in the music. Yeah. Right. But it, you can definitely hear with some of Koji Kondo's like, stuff that he's starting to kind of explore. I mean, or he's able to express his music in the same way that some of these bigger composers are in these movies. Like, the fact that that brought John Williams so reminiscent right there is like, it's such a, like, a, oh, right. Like, that's the feeling I feel when I am watching an Indiana Jones movie, right? And I'm like, I'm going on this big adventure with them. We're going to find these lost artifacts and... Which is what Zelda's all about, Fred. What? It's your jam, man. <laughs> Get on it. 
I, I guess might it's, have to. It's Uncharted meets Lord of the Rings. Like, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> and, and also the gameplay, I love, what I love about it is there's a lot, like, there's a lot of different puzzles. Oh, you're, I'm out. Puzzle I'm guy. out. <laughs> do, they, do any of them make me feel stupid? <laughs> I don't want a puzzle unless it makes me feel stupid. And then it's a bad puzzle. Well, I was playing God of War, and I thought there is some similarities in that sense, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's actually probably one of the better comparisons. Because <laughs> don't ever, don't try to entice me with a game by saying the word puzzle. Because, I, like I said, I do like them, but like the moment I can't figure it out, I'm like, puzzles are so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair it's fair yeah the theme songs of ocarina of time are amazing but then also the way that koji incorporated you playing the songs well it probably is oh yeah hand in hand with miyamoto the director but like he noted that the c buttons on the n64 controller resembled the holes on the ocarina mm. so the way they kind of went about that as they wanted you know the game player to like actually feel like they're playing the music and then you know once you play the little tune the little chime it kicks in mm-hmm. and then you actually hear like the orchestrated um song and it's a fun mechanic because like you're just talking about fred it's a puzzle but it's like a puzzle that you can figure out because you just need to try and figure out the notes and recognize them yeah you kind of invented guitar hero Right. <laughs> a little bit, actually. That's a very interesting comparison. And probably got a lot of people into music who weren't even thinking about music at that time. Do you feel like that inspired you to pursue music? No. <laughs> <laughs> didn't. But there was another cool thing, like kind of like a thing they didn't really have to put in there, but if you uh, turn the joystick in a different way, it bended the notes, too. So there are some people who got really good at playing like the N64 controller mm-hmm. ocarina. It's like people who like play the Last of Us 2 guitar. They can actually play songs. Oh, my Because it's so intuitive. I have That's not played right. that game yet, so don't give me a spoiler. Well, there's a guitar you can play. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll do a whole episode on Last of Us eventually because, yeah, the show's been... Have you been watching the show? Oh. I did not see the last episode. It's good. It's good. I love it. Do you, you play the first game? I played the first game. Okay, so you kind of know what's coming then, but... Right. Yeah, you got to play the second game at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So that was kind of a sampling from his N64 days. But then this was sort of like where he started to kind of go a little more hands-off and kind of turn into more overview guy, right? Where he just sort of like oversaw the operations while other people were really kind of handling the composing. Is that right? Right. Okay. And kind of after this point... I didn't play a lot of the games going forward. I played a little bit here and there, but I wasn't as much of a player as I was like in my younger years, you know. So once the kind of GameCube got one of the stage, I remember Tommy, you had one we'd always play Smash Bros and Mario Kart. Yeah, but I didn't really. I remember you were really into Wind Waker, but I didn't really have that console. So, um, but this is a good song. Oh yeah, this brings back some memories now. Those drums, the snare. Yeah. Like you're going on an adventure. Right. I mean, this is like you're out in a boat literally in this game. Like the whole idea is that like the kingdom has like been flooded over. So you have to like go in a boat. And it really does feel like you are like kind of like on the open water. Like you're like, oh, the sea's going to take me wherever the wind will blow. Right. You know, and I don't know. It's just such a fun game. And it was such an interesting game, too. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the graphics, but they really departed from 
the the graphics of like Ocarina of Time, which were really trying to make these like very kind of like sharp 3D models, and then they kind of went more to cartoony, which a lot of people didn't like. And I was even like, oh, why are they doing this? But then when you play the game, you're like, oh, my God, this is super fun. <laughs> I remember having that discussion with you because I thought it looked ridiculous. I was really mad because they went from Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, to that. It was, like, very cartoony, very kids-looking. Yeah. Um, but it's such a good artistic choice now that I feel like I didn't respect at the time. For sure. And was like, it, it really pushed it forward. And, like, the game's soundtrack, once again, was amazing. I feel like you hear less of like the escalation that we heard from going from the NES to SNES to N64, but like you definitely can tell there there is more of like the substance. Yeah, there, there's no limit now on what they can do really with that, and I know that kind of goes a little further too when they did get back to the 3D <laughs> Zeldas of like the more sharp models. Um, I, I don't know what do we want to call it the more detailed kind of like darker grittier models it's sort of like Zack snyder's justice league versus like <laughs> the batman like entering the triforce yeah <laughs> that was a really good joke i don't care what y'all say put hey, my man. headphones away and walk out we're not we're not getting rid of ezra miller anytime soon but um but yeah and then we got in there and we had twilight princess and which was also on gamecube but then skyward sword was a wii exclusive I felt like that's where we really started to kind of feel. You can kind of tell when he is not as involved because you you feel maybe like. Did you play Skyward Sword? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's less innovation, but like you start to feel like a lot of the same themes start to kind of. I don't know. They, like they kind of peaked at Ocarina of Time, and they all tried to sort of emulate that. Song. It's like yeah. Hans Zimmer now. Like every once in a while, he'll come out with like a fresh banger, but sometimes he's just giving you like the. Dun, 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 dun. And I agree with that, but I think actually Breath of the Wild was a complete break from that. That was they kind of did innovated not only the gameplay and everything. I love that game, but like the sound, the music. It's a totally different ball. Like. They brought in like a new group of people, and they did, did a change. They weren't trying to like recreate the past mm-hmm. um, for the better, but um, the transition between GameCube and the Wii, well, with Twilight Princess, you mentioned um, actually what uh, Koji wanted to do, and they have the capabilities of doing, is he wanted originally wanted a fifty-piece orchestra to perform all the music, so oh, it was wow. like actual like music. I don't know, like. Um, not it wouldn't be like computer generated like MIDI. Yeah. Um, but then they changed their mind because uh, it was more dynamic to use MIDI, and they like like we were saying earlier in different parts of the level. Like there's a, there's a one part of the level where he's like Link is chasing a skull kid, and depending on where in like the forest he was, the sound the music would change. Like parts would come in, parts would come out, and they also utilize like stereo. Like if I hear something over here, like like some part of the music over here, then I can kind of run that way. Yeah. So they had more capabilities that way using MIDI. However, once they went to the Wii, I think that, like Skyward Sword, then they could actually do what they wanted to do, like have like a dynamic sound with an actual orchestra, with actual instruments. Sure. That does make sense, and that's pretty cool, actually, that they were able to expand it to do something more ambitious like that. Even... And I think Skyward Sword certainly has some great songs. I don't know. Do there a sample? I do. (laughs) 
very simple. Yeah. Almost kind of like Game of Thrones. But you definitely get more of that medieval feel, right? Where mm-hmm. it's very... It sounded like The Witcher. Yes, I'm it? sorry. That's more accurate. Not Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. The Witcher. Mm, various, because I just I threw on... That one. I just too. Yeah, I but just threw show on even, the uh, yeah. Wild Hunt game, and like the opening of that just sounds like that. You know, Tommy, <laughs> I think I may have to disagree with you. Oh. I think the Skyward Sword has some very awesome, unique songs. Oh, okay. Um, that's my opinion. You're all about to fight. And I'm right entitled now? to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, please disagree with me. I I do feel like there is a good music in each of the games that succeed Ocarina of Time. But I do sense, at least in what I've heard, it, it does try to emulate more than kind of like because there is a difference in what Link to the Past and what Ocarina of Time are doing. Which I mean makes sense because they're two different systems and they have completely different power capabilities where mm-hmm. it's like i think because n64 kind of elevated that music game where it's able to do more with the instruments it's sort of like well where do you go up from there right but other also, than yeah go ahead when you're exploring a 3d space versus like a top-down view or a side scroller like there's more you have to i feel like capture the attention more you have to change things up more yes. Um, it has to be able to repeat for five hours if you're locked in a room and you don't get sick of it, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, whereas like you're saying, kind of like these other ones now can be a little more dynamic and can do a lot more with the music and these levels and they do have to put, introduce a lot more of those, what did you call them, phrases? Right, yeah. <laughs> to respond to the environment because your environment changes so much more rapidly than it ever did on the NES, right? But I think that was a great sampling of just traveling through the history, not only of just like Koji Kondo and like how he developed with each system, but it just shows how music changed in video games over time. I mean, we literally heard the early like bloops and beeps and what is it, the saw blades of <laughs> the Atari. I think it's a sling blade. Sling <laughs> <laughs> blade. <laughs> but yeah, then we get all the way to. You know what we just heard there, where you hear like this like score that you would have maybe heard on The Witcher or on these other like modern medieval shows that it sounds like it just has like the same capabilities now. And I mean, especially when you listen to an actual Barry McCreary score in the God of War, right? It's like it is very like big and orchestral. And I think Koji Kondo paved the way for so many other composers like this, not only in games but in movies and TV shows too. It's he kind of set a tone that we're still seeing to this day, right? So, mm-hmm. an unsung hero, absolutely. But, wouldn't it be fun if we didn't talk about some coulda, woulda, shouldas with our man Koji? And I wanted to ask you guys, are there any things that you wish he could have done or maybe that he still could do? I would love if he was, like, popping up in some of these new generation systems. Just do, do like, a one-off or something. Where he's just in complete control again? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. John Williams is still doing it in, what, he's almost 90? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. He's up there. He keeps breaking his own record for total nominations by a, like a composer it might even be like he might be the most nominated person in oscar's history I, i'd believe it because hmm. he's just done so many classic scores but is he an egot because lydia tar is an egot at least 
yacht. Yeah. What do you mean by that? You don't know about the, it's so when someone has an Emmy, Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Oh, really? Viola Davis, I think, is now an EGOT. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, because she did a stand-up, you know, CD, so that's her Grammy. She's won Oscar, mm. Tony. She's done her one lady show. I don't think it's a one lady show, one person show. Yeah, I don't know what the non-gendered term for a one person show is now. Yeah, just one person show. I like I one person it's... show. <laughs> Actually, it just it's very on the nose. John Williams does not have an egot. He is a Tony Shorts. So he just has an ego. An ego. <laughs> oh, I know he's got an ego. How do you not have an ego at that point? Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned, though, that he jumps in with something modern. Because something that I would love to see him do is jump in the movies. And rumor has it he has jumped in on this new Super Mario Brothers movie, overseeing it. Wow. At the request of Miyamoto that he helped with the soundtrack. I don't think he's solely composing the movie, but (laughs) his first foray into a movie, because they haven't done anything since the last Super Mario Brothers movie 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Does Uh, that even count? That movie is... Stone Cold Classic. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you guys are underestimating how... Awful. uh, It's... It's very bad. I don't know. Any movie that has Bob Hoskins in it is watchable. <laughs> I feel like they got so in love with like his character and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and like his ability to do a Brooklyn accent. They were like, we need this guy to be a real friggin' New York Mario. <laughs> like, I would take him, though, at this point. Like, just the, the, the holographic or reanimated voice of Bob Hoskins mm-hmm. rather than Chris Pratt. No, I don't. I don't. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about that movie was good, I think. I don't know. Do you remember the part where John Leguizamo, like, said his name was Luigi Mario? Yes. (laughs) Not since who's on first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to stand. There's three Mario. He's Mario Mario, and I'm Luigi Mario. No, it's it's not a very good movie, but I think those, those performances are, like, you can't really touch them. I think they're both doing what they can. They're doing the best with very... Poor work. Like, I think John Leguizamo's super likable in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I always would watch for John Leguizamo after that movie, but it's just not a good movie worth revisiting. (laughs) So, but yeah, so now that they are doing this new movie, it does sound like they did want to bring in Koshi Kondo to consult, at least with the score. Although I don't think he is solely doing it. I believe he is collaborating with somebody else. So... We are still seeing his first foray into it, but, you know... I'm sorry, I was just going to say that I heard he was collaborating with Mouse Rat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I heard you uh, did some scores. Uh, You want to help my band? (laughs) It's it's fun, though, because I think it is really going to be an interesting foray for him. And it kind of opens the door now seeing... I know we were talking about The Last of Us before, that... Video game properties are starting to finally figure it out on TV and movies in like the a visual medium where you don't actually have to like play the game itself. So Legend of Zelda it feels like might be around the corner at some day, but you know, that could be a chance for him to maybe take his scores and do something completely new. That was kind of the setup from me. <laughs> well, I think from me kind of saying, you know, I would love to see them do more with the music in the games. For the Zelda games, because if he could do a score for Zelda in the movies and really finally get to use a full orchestra and have the power of like a a medium that actually is able to kind of push that into the forefront of like, here I have 
all these instruments now at my disposal. Be just interesting to hear, but right. I think like you were saying, though, Breath of the Wild it sounds like has captured some of that. Yeah, I think that would be a good way that would make sense for him to do a film is or a television series is a property that he's done music for, but he can amplify and redo it like he's done from the NES all the way through the Wii. Yeah, it's kind of like the final stop on his journey through everything, kind of moving up and up and up. Well, I mean, yeah, and to reiterate, you know, I think where video games are at now, and I'm respecting where Breath of the Wild took the score, because I'm sure it's amazing. I've heard a couple songs from it. But um, I think you are ultimately going to find that the last step is going to be a motion picture, right? And that's a chance for him to do something. So it'll be fun to see what he can come up with and work on for this new Super Mario movie, which will hopefully be a lot better than the one from 30 years ago. (laughs) Right, and I'm I'm interested to see like what songs they put in that movie. Like, are they gonna like pick the airship theme from like Super Mario Three? Like, there's so much that they could pick from. Mm-hmm. I think that would be. That, I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many. It's just sort of like hints of what has come before, or if it is gonna be completely brand new. That we it sounds familiar, but doesn't. It's nothing we actually recognize. You know, it kind of feels like that'd be a miss though. <laughs> That's something they already screwed up once. <laughs> so maybe that brings us then to the end of the episode, fellas, which is uh, on our power rankings here. And this week, I think the slam dunk here, as we sort of hinted at all along, is what are your top three Kochi Kondo songs? Nick, would you like to kick us off here with Ooh, your picks? This is hard. There's so many that I like. <laughs> like, like I was telling in preparation of this, I was showing you guys like playlists I've made of like you know like Zelda songs. Like I like to listen to like actual instrumentation, like covers of the songs. You know, I think if it's top three, I think the Hyrule Field is going to be on there from uh, Ocarina of Time. Okay. Especially after hearing that like orchestra version of it, because they really. It's just so theatrical. There's like highs and lows and like adventure. And then you could tell that there's like action. And then also the fact that the way that he recorded it with the 12 different phrases that you could um, be interchanged at random. I think that's really neat and creative. That's one of them. Definitely the OG Zelda, like from, from NES, which actually, I don't think we mentioned this, but he actually made that in a day. Wow. Because they're originally going to use a different song. Uh, one of his favorite composers, but they found out like last second that the patent wasn't up on that, so they couldn't use it, so he had to write the song in like a day. There's that, and then also just like the fact that it's like the late motif of like all the Zelda songs, like you hear that that, that melody, it always always gets, you know, always gets me going. Always gets gets me going. Um, And, you know, favorite songs, I don't like picking favorite songs, because like they always changes, but um, right now I'm really into Super Mario 3. Uh, that reggae song we heard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are good, though. Yeah. I think you show, you show a lot of passion and love for what, what he's done over the years, and I think that's really cool to see. Fred, where would you fall on, his, on the scale here? So I really like you picked one that you had on your list, Dire Dire Docks, which we played. Mm-hmm. That is just a smooth bop. Mm-hmm. Like I just like I said, I'll just put that on to relax. I'm also going to go with something that may seem basic, but it's just so ingrained in me is just the castle walls music when you're going through Mario 64. OK. And then my last one 
which was I kind of gave it a split because I'm not 100% sure if he did this, but I would say it's a split between the Haunted House level and Mario 64 or the Pilot Wings theme. Oh, Pilot Wings 64 main theme is yes. that what you're talking about? So this one? This bass line. Oh, yeah. Could you play this on bass? I could, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I never played that game. I haven't either. I've heard about it plenty. So it's about this pilot who has been kind of, you know, flying for a lot of years. He goes back and he's going to be training these new people. And uh, one of his partner's sons are there. And he kind of does want to have a relationship with him because it's kind of a rough thing. Because he was so close with his dad. They used to fly together. Um, but they get together. He trains this new group of flyers to fly this mission that's super hard. They're going to have to fly into at high speeds, and they're going to lose altitude, and they're going to like lose brain power, and then they're going to have to drop down. And it is intense. Wow. Hmm. That's wild. I had no idea it was that complicated. Yeah, there's a story behind it. Yeah. I just thought it was flying around in airplanes. Yeah, and it's really weird. There's, like, these parts where you're going to this bar and you're seeing this old fling that, um, you know, he must have this relationship with. But by the end of the game, they get together. Is this real? Yeah. I thought you were joking. <laughs> oh, no. And th- there's this great part where that kid that he recognizes sits at the jukebox and plays Great Balls of Fire for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How much did I have to ramp that up for? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like, I was listening to this and I'm like, wow, that's a really intense story. And then I realized this is Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I'm just trying to prep people for our Oscar episode. I know. You had me hook, line, and sink. I did not click with me at first. Right, you were just, like, this doesn't sound right. I was no, like, wow. Followings is a game where it's like, choose helicopter or plane. Okay, shoot at these targets, then land. <laughs> <laughs> you have to forgive me, Fred. I was looking up other stuff. You're catching me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> He's on eBay buying a used copy of Pilot Wings, right? Yeah. Man, this sounds really good. I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> so much character development. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> for my picks, um, I'll also agree with Dry Dry Docks. I feel like that's uh, it's just so good. It's that, that Mario kind of peaceful one that we heard where it's like, relax, float. <laughs> I'm also going to go with The Legend of Zelda, just main theme. I feel like it's perseveres through everything it shows up in every game in some shape or form where we hear that motif come back and it's just so memorable and it's such a wonderful melody like you just can't get over it the last one we did not hear and so i'll just play a little sample from it but it's also from ocarina of time and uh it is a song where you have to learn in order to advance in the game and you have the ability to control the weather uh, it's called oh, the song yeah. the song of storms I just love that it's like a little tarantella, you know? Yeah. 
you don't hear a lot of that. And, and I just feel like that is a great example of just how many different things he's throwing at the all these scores. You know, he just he dips in one composer, he dips in another band. You know, it's like he, he's a shapeshifter. He can like, you know, yeah. He's, capture any kind of like character. Yeah, chameleon. A chameleon of music. Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to be saying <laughs> he's a cojameleon. A cojameleon. A cojameleon. <laughs> it sounds like cajillionaire. So like, <laughs> anyway, uh, so with that, that does bring us to the actual end of our episode today. Um, quite a musical adventure, and I really enjoyed listening to everything. Nick, you were awesome with everything you brought to us. Is there anything you would like to plug at all at this time? No. <laughs> <laughs> nothing I got. I'm No, nothing really to advertise. I'm hopefully starting a band here, jam with some guys. Great. Yeah. yeah oh. We'll see how it goes. Well, cool. Hopefully people can check you out. Are you do you know what your band name is yet or No, no. We had one practice. Oh, okay. We sounded decent. I mean, we'd like to play shows eventually. We'll see where it goes. It yeah. Might, might not lead anywhere, but uh maybe when I come back. I'll tell you about it. All right. I Sounds like good. Well, yeah, if you're interested in Nick Spitz of music, I mean, he, he does a lot of stuff. Keep an eye on his accounts. Because uh, you got, I mean, you got Facebook, right? So look up Nick Spitz on Facebook or Nick Spitz yeah, of Music. Yeah, I mean, it's all really old at this point. <laughs> I used to play out live and stuff. They like. can listen to your old stuff. <laughs> that sounds good. Fred, how about you? Anything you like to plug? Um, no, for now, I'm just going to plug the podcast and, of course, check out shows at Interchange Theater. I'm performing at least a couple times a month now. It's picking up more and more. We're getting bigger audiences, so the shows are getting crazier. So please check that out, interchangetheater.com. Excellent. What yes. days of the week is that? Usually Fridays and Saturdays. They're having shows every Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and there's plenty going on there. Uh, so, yeah, look it up. You know, Friday, Saturdays, interchangetheater.com. I'll also plug the podcast. Uh, we are on Instagram, State of the Franchise. We are on Facebook, State of the Franchise, Tom and Fred. We are on Twitter at SOTF Pod. You can also email us if you'd like to, State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Buy Me a Coffee. It's buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. If you'd like to leave us a one-time donation or sign up for a repeat donation, anything you can contribute is very welcome and appreciated. Otherwise, you know, we always just love hearing you. Or we love you coming to hear us. We love hearing from you, though, if you do want to email us at statefranchisepodcast at gmail.com. But outside of that, we hope you enjoyed this week. And stay tuned for next time, where Fred and I will be doing our Oscars 2023 episode. It's that time again. Mm-hmm. We've teased it plenty, especially with the <laughs> sneaky Top Gun Mavericks. Yeah, I was trying to do rule of threes, and I was like, what other best picture am I going <laughs> to... Wait, what were the three? We had Tar, we had Top Gun. Oh, I guess we had Tar in there, and uh, Banshees. Oh, yeah, Banshees. So there you go. That's, that's our Triforce Ooh. this week of wisdom, courage, and power. So... Stay tuned for that next time. Thanks again for being here, Nick. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Thank you. Pilot Wing 64 main theme is that what you're talking about? So this one? The thing that's different about a verbal vacation home? I don't know. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) 